1: We're looking at James. I've never done James, but we've asked for the anointing of the Spirit to do James. Do you know that Martin Luther wanted to take James out of the Bible, but the fathers wouldn't let him? They wouldn't let him. He said, this is the Scripture. So we're going to continue with James and begin with James. It says in James 1, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ? By grace, I am a servant of God. To the 12 tribes, that's the tribes of Israel, in the dispersion, those are the Christians from the 12 tribes throughout the world. Greetings, my brothers and sisters, When you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Now, that's a statement that we need to deal with. When you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. I don't think most of us consider trials as joy. But that's what the Bible teaches. The trials and tribulations should bring us joy because God is moving despite the trials and tribulations.
2: And every trial we go through brings us closer to Jesus. It takes out, it takes away our humanness and gives us more of Jesus. When we go through trials, sometimes we share in the life and the sufferings of Christ. Everything that happens to us, everything we go through, God uses it for the good of our souls. In my life I've seen that the biggest trials have been the biggest blessings maybe at the time I didn't understand it but as you persevere and you look back you understand and you realize that God has a plan for everything he allows us to go through because he knows where he Jesus wants you to finish but he knows how to get you there the best way and sometimes it's not the easiest way. Sometimes it's hard. But it's all joy. We can live and we can praise God in the good and in the bad. Then the devil has no hold on us. When we have this wisdom and revelation that thank you, Jesus. Everything I'm going through is for the good of my soul. Everything I'm gonna, going through is going to conform me more into the image of your son, Father. I praise you. I bless you. I worship you. I thank you then everything in life is good and in Jesus.
1: My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, how we need to endure and persevere, even in trial. This is very important. Because we all go through trials. The scripture says, when you go through the fires, I will be with you and you'll not be burned. But you'll go through the fires. You'll go through the fires. When you go through the rivers, you will not drown because I'm going to be with you. You will go through the rivers. There will be trials and tribulations. And you will go through them.
2: There's always a testing. It goes back to Adam and Eve. God gave them a test not to eat from the tree, but in our lives before. God wants to upgrade you and move you into a new realm of anointing, new realm of glory, new realm of power, new realm of peace. He gives us a testing to see if we're ready because Jesus isn't going to give us something we're not ready for. He's not going to give us an anointing or a blessing that's going to be detrimental to our soul. So he allows us to be tested in love to see if we're ready. So if you're being tested right now, that is congratulations god allowing you to be tested because he has an upgrade for you in your life and the power of god on your life hallelujah
1: and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete testing brings us to maturity how we need to be mature some people never left the baby stage. Some people never left. I was born again and never grew any further. That's not right. We need to grow. We need to grow. Be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking to wisdom, ask God who gives all generously and ungrudgedly and it will be given unto you. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge you you take tests for. Wisdom you live by. And not everyone who has knowledge has wisdom. I've met old people never went to school, had great wisdom, the wisdom of the ages. Not that that's always true, but I've met them. My friend Sadie, I don't think she went to much school but she had the wisdom of the cross. She loved Jesus, and she would tell everybody about Jesus. I would go to her house, and she would say, I lift up my eyes to the mountains from whence shall come my joy. My life comes from the Lord, not the mountains who made heaven and earth. Oh, yes. she would sprout wisdom, and I would take it all in. She was so beautiful so simple god is so beautiful so simple but ask in faith never doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind ask in faithful wisdom without doubting no doubts father in the name of jesus who is the wisdom of god i want wisdom i need wisdom i need it lord so that i can grow up grow up in the sight of god
2: knowledge has to do with facts wisdom is attributed to the lord the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom when we're wise then we understand who god is and who we are but we also understand our place and our authority and our inheritance in jesus christ and wisdom gives us a power to walk out this life in union with God, and in the power of God. Back to the testing, there's some people you've got a prophetic word over your life, and you've been waiting for these words to pass, you know that God has such a plan and a purpose, but God, he can't, as soon as we become a believer or a Christian, God can't give us our inheritance what what the word is over our life our ministry because he needs to allow us to go through trials so our soul becomes matured and we become ready to receive what god has for us god gives us everything we need perfectly in the season of life that we're in jesus doesn't want us to live looking ahead of this is what I want. This is what I should have. We Wisdom is you're living in the present moment with Jesus Christ, eternally grateful for not only the situation you're in, whether you perceive it a good or bad, right or wrong, because you, you're you in there because God has you in that situation as a way for you to gain wisdom and to grow your soul. And you just live in the now moment, appreciative of Jesus Christ and in the love of God And that's when the intimacy and love of God, the trials and the tribulations, they just get knocked down easy and you go in hyperspeed into your destiny.
1: And when you have trials, don't blame the devil. That's what everyone does. It's the devil doing this. It's not the devil. It's that we grow up. It's that we grow up in God, in Christ.
2: God uses the devil to sanctify us. In a sense, the good devil is okay. The devil is not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. But in reality, he's like a little bug that God has on a leash. And God allows the devil to nip at our ankles and pull up things that are already in us. God uses the devil as a tool for our sanctity. As a tool for our sanctity. The devil has no power and authority over your life unless you believe he does and you give it to him. Jesus promised us nothing will hurt you. You know, even when we look at the crucifixion, was it f- when Jesus was crucified, was it from the devil or was it from the father? It was from the father. Jesus knew from the day he was born he had to die for our sins so he could be raised from the dead. He just used the devil for his purposes. So in your life now, God is just using the devil for his purposes to allow you to grow and come into maturity so you can come into the great inheritance that Jesus Christ has for your life.
1: For the doubter is double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from God. And from the Lord. We do not want to be double minded. We want to be men and women of faith. And we go we ask in faith in the name of Jesus. And James is going to tell us, faith without works is dead. That's why Luther wanted to throw away the letter to James. Faith without works is dead. You know, and I'm thinking about works, we're not even looking at that yet. But I saying you pray for people, that's a work, that's a work. You don't have to be out in the mission fields. You can be, thank God. You only need to go to Boston and find the mission fields. So faith without works is dead.
2: That's one of my, my favorite line. And he's not talking about works of the law They're talking about works of Jesus Christ, because when When we have the love of Jesus Christ, if it's truly in us, it spills out into works. The works we do is a reflection of our faith in Jesus, but a double-minded man is weak in all his ways. It's one of my favorite Bible verses and we shouldn't expect anything from the Lord. We can't have one foot in the world, one foot in Jesus. I mean, we live in the world, but we're fully committed to Jesus. Jesus wants you to be firm in your mind. We need to be firm in our mind. The battle is always in the mind. But when you understand, I have Jesus Christ. Greater is in you that's in the world. Greater is in me that's in the world. Nothing by any means shall harm me. God has given me authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. You know, when I wake up in the morning, the devil quivers because I'm awake. When you understand your authority and your inheritance that you have in Jesus Christ and you begin to walk it out, then you walk in victory. We can't be double-minded and thinking, oh, Jesus died for us and gave us victory. But, you know... I'm so weak. I'm so, it's like, yes, we are all weak, but in Jesus Christ, we are strong. When we know our identity in Jesus, when you walk in your inheritance, in your authority, in Jesus Christ, and we're not double-minded in what we think of Jesus, what we think of ourselves, we're not double-minded in what we do, you know, this morning, I'm going to go to church this afternoon. I'm going to go to the bar, you know, that fractures us, that splits us, that makes us weak and that makes us unhappy. We are firm in our beliefs. We are firm in understanding who we are. We are firm in our mind. We are firm in our authority. We are firm in everything we do and we are strong in Jesus Christ. Then we come to the throne of God praying with boldness and we receive what we ask for because We don't ask out of our own intentions. We're praying the will of, we're we're living in the will of God and we're praying from the will of God. And we just receive God, we receive heaven on earth, and we walk in this world as Jesus walked in this world. It was a promise he gave to you and it's the destiny that God has over your life. This is a word for some people listening. There's no condemnation, but no double-mindedness. No double-mindedness. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Word of God never returned void. You walk in power and authority from here on out in Jesus' name.
1: Let the believer who is lowly boast in being raised up. The meek shall inherit the earth. But that doesn't mean the weak, it says the meek. But we are weak and we ask for God's strength in the midst of our weakness. He says to me, when you are most weak, then you are most strong in Jesus. And the rich is being brought low because the rich will disappear like a flower in the field. You see, riches come and go. It's what you do with your riches. Riches come and go. If you just place your heart in your riches, you have no wisdom. If you use your riches to advance the kingdom of God, hallelujah, hallelujah, beginning with tithing. I'm not saying you end with tithing. Beginning with tithing, then offerings. Oh, yes, the rich will not endure the rich who keep on thinking about all they have in the bank. For the sun rises in the scorching heat and withers the field. Its flower fails and its beauty perishes. It is the same way with the rich in the midst of a busy life. They will wither away. Now we're not talking about we want poverty unless we take a vow of poverty. That's another issue. God does not want us to be poor. He wants to give us everything that we need. Maybe not riches, but everything that we need and a little extra. That's God's will for us. Let's continue. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Do you endure temptation? Then you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You don't give in to temptation. You're a child of God. We all are tempted. In the monastery that we go to, it says, in order for people to come in, you must be dressed rightly. And you know what? So that lack of temptation would be coming into the monastery. And they're right. I would say the people that come to church should have the right clothes on because people are tempted. We don't want to be a cause of temptation. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You're gonna get a crown for enduring temptation. Oh yes, you're gonna get a crown. One day when I was praying, the Lord put a gold crown on my head. And when I'm having a hard time, I try to remember that. The Lord put a gold crown on my head, but not only on my head, but on anyone who endures temptation. That means you. That means me. No one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. God does not tempt us. Our temptations come from the flesh, from the world, and from the devil. God does not tempt us, never. He who died for us, will he not give us all things beside? Not temptation, all things beside. God does not tempt us, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one, but one is tempted by one's own desire, being Lord and enticed by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then, when that desire has conceived, it gives truth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Oh yes, temptation gives birth to sin if we don't endure it. And then sin gives birth to death to death sin is about death we don't want to be dead and we don't want to be day in the lord sin brings about death the wages of sin is death says saint paul
2: yeah so sin starts with temptation and one first book of john tells us three ways lust of the flesh you know overeating having sex all that stuff lust of the eyes and then pride of life want to be famous rich successful um esteemed in the world the these are these are the three ways that from our flesh we are mainly tempted and you know when, when we have desires that aren't even good desires sometimes i want a ministry i want i want the power of god These things seem good, but we want to just desire God's will for our life. If we just say, Jesus, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want for me. And we we start to have an interior life where we let Jesus Christ pull away our passions and our desires and empty us out so there's fully room for him. So then what we desire is in accord with what Jesus desires for you. And it, and it takes out the disorder and it takes out, you know, we don't understand why we desire what we desire. A lot of times we may desire even good things out of woundedness. But when we understand that, Jesus, I am nothing, you are everything, take away the desires of my heart and replace them with the desires that you have for my life. That's a powerful prayer. Then all of a sudden, first, temptation starts to lose its grip upon us. And then when we are not tempted by the three sins, particularly pride of life, wanting to be great, wanting to be anything besides what God wants us to, but God wants us to be great. But in the way that God has created us to be great, we don't want to look at someone who's operating in the power of God and say, I want that. We just want to say, Jesus Christ, however you want to use me, use me. And I am eternally grateful. And then, these temptations lose grip over us then sin starts to lose its grip you know when we sin we invite little bits of death into our life little bits of blackness little bits of pain and God's great mercy when we sin and this death comes in he allows suffering and he allows suffering and he allows suffering and through this suffering we eventually learn you know some people learn easier than others I was pretty hard-headed so God had to teach me the hard way and through the suffering suffering you just let it go you let go of the sin and then once you let go of the sin you let God take out all your desires and you replace it with him you begin to live in this divine life you begin to walk in the world as Jesus did I came not to do my will but the Father's will who sent me and then it's no longer you who live but Jesus Christ who lives through you so it's just about that we got to crucify ourselves Jesus he ascended to the Father but not before he went to the cross and every day we got to go to the cross and we need to crucify our flesh our sin everything about us and we need to die so that we can live fully in Jesus Christ
1: every generous act of giving with perfect is a perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. How have you been giving your time? How have you been giving your money? How have you been giving time, treasure, and there's one more. Talent. Talent. Hallelujah. How have you been giving your talent? These are gifts that are from God. We need to use them. Like if someone said to me, Father Tom, would you balance the checkbooks? i said, say, no, that's not my gift. You go in the hole if you ask me to balance your checkbook. I don't know how to do that. I don't think about things like that. That's why I have Sue. She does all that stuff. But not me, God forbid. I wouldn't know how to deal with it. I wouldn't know how to begin. That's not my gift. And, you know, sometimes when a priest becomes a pastor, he starts taking on all this junk that he shouldn't be taken on, all this administration that he shouldn't be taken on. That's not good. He needs to be a priest you say, but how is he going to be a priest if he doesn't get an administrator? Get an administrator. But we have no money. Get an administrator. Ask God to get you one. Because the priest should be a priest, a minister of the Lord.
2: So when God created you, he created you with very specific gifts. Jesus Christ... He's the head and we're a body, so we all complement each other. So what gifts did Jesus create you for? Maybe it was evangelism. Maybe it was on, working on the computer. Maybe it was doing money. But whatever it is, you say, Jesus, thank you for this gift. And I want to serve your will and do what you created me to do perfectly. Not, I want to be Father Tom. No, you created me with a specific plan and a purpose, and I want to fulfill your will perfectly. You know, holiness doesn't come in what office we serve. It comes in how faithfully we serve the office Jesus has us in. You can be just as holy as a mom than you are as a priest, because Jesus created you for a plan In a purpose and it's how faithfully you serve that purpose so whatever, whatever way wherever you are whatever reason Jesus created you for today just do his will perfectly thank the Lord perfectly put your all into wherever God has you and he will honor it delight in you and anoint you to do just what you are doing
0: God bless you